verses uh, 13 to 16. I want to read that, and then uh, we'll be spending some time in that, but I want to uh, also spend some time in Jeremiah 29. So while you're still standing, we'll go ahead and read his word together. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 13 to 16, it says this. These all died in faith, having not received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who thus who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. And if they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had the opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. May God has blessed him to his holy and perfect word. You may be seated. That passage is where we're going to ultimately end up, but I wanted to just spend some time not only there having that in mind, but also spending a lot of time in Jeremiah 29. I'll give you a chance to, to turn there. But while you're turning there, I just want to just make a, just a few remarks on these passages because I know that uh, whenever I approach a patriotic holiday, I'll just tell you that right up front, I always approach it, especially when it comes to church in, with, with a, a bit of mixture. I am very thankful that we are living in this country. I, I, every, every time that uh, when we were driving, Daniel and I, when we were driving, because uh, Daniel has ambitions of, of signing up and going into the Air Force once he's done with, uh, with high school. So every time we pass a flag... You know, there, there is something that always just kind of percolates and, and bubbles, bubbles up in our heart, and we're very thankful for that. When it comes to the church of Jesus Christ, I, I always want to make sure that we realize that just because you're an American, that doesn't mean that you're a Christian. Although I do believe being a Christian will make you a better citizen, regardless of where you may live, because you are following the ways that God would have you to follow when it comes to, to that. Oh, and by the way, I see some issues up there. We are, we are having some issues with the, uh, with the live stream right now. Um, so David, if you wouldn't mind. Yeah, we're having some issues with the live stream right now, and it's not on our end. It's on, uh, it's on their end. So uh, if you would just, uh, just bear with us in case you have people texting you, what's going on there? It's not us. It's not us. So I just want to make sure that we're there on that. Where was I? Oh, yes, America. So when we, so, so when we, when we always have these things that bubble up, but I, also, I just want to make sure that we realize, because this is how I grew up. I grew up where, do you remember me telling you a couple of weeks ago where we didn't really have a lot, there wasn't a lot of um, animation in our worship services growing up? We just kind of sit there. The earth, is, the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silent before him, except on 4th of July when people went nuts. And, the, and they would, and whenever a patriotic hymn, and there would be something about blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. And they would sing it as if someone, as if they were at a funeral. But man, mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of. And man, everybody would stand up. And all of a sudden, we, weren't, we, we were going almost more Pentecostal than we were Baptist. I mean, people were raising their And I always, so that's, that's my story, sticking to it. No, but that's my story. And I grew up with that. And I, 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 what I want us to do, if we're going to celebrate a temporary citizenship, then let's celebrate like that and more with an eternal citizenship 
that was paid for us by the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's, so whenever you may hear me talking about that, that's where I'm coming from. I just think that's, that's that heavenly citizenship. Oh, man, where, where, where are we with that? I, that's why we have to make sure that we're looking at and such. When we, but when we get to these particular patriotic holidays, it gives, me a, it gives me an opportunity to pause and to really think, okay, what kind of a citizen am I being? As a citizen of heaven, what kind of a citizen am I being? And the Bible does address that. The Bible addresses what it means for us to where when we who are Christians who are living as sojourners and exiles in this world, right? You know, the old, that old song, this world is not my home, just a passing through. We are. And what, my dad, who's 88, mom's getting ready to turn 86, and they'll admit that. But they're, they're, they're to an age right now, and they're telling me where it's like there are just some times when the days seem long and the years seem short, I had to work that one out there for a couple of minutes because I'm a little slow on the uptake with the little little adages like, but there's something to it. Don't the days sometimes seem really long, but the years, all of a sudden, they're flying by? We're over halfway done with 2022. But So what do we do in the meantime? So, you know, we're on, the, the passage that I just read to you is where we're going to ultimately land, but we are, we are moving as Christians to a better country. And by the way, if you're not a Christian, you're moving on elsewhere. This life is not going to be it for you. There's more to this life than just this life. It's just, are you going to be spending it in the presence of God or are you going to be spending it away from him in a place called hell? I don't want that for you. And I think deep down you don't either, but there are certain things that God's called us to do and God's called us to be. So Jeremiah 29 actually helps us out a lot. There's a lot of parallels with that. And when we, when we look at this, the, the people of Israel, let me, let me set the table. There's been a lot of setting tables this morning, but let me set the table one more time for you. Jeremiah, when he was prophesying this, the people of Israel, in their, in their vast 400, 500 years of disobedience, God finally said, okay, that's enough. The Babylonians came in, took everything, all the people, all the all the people, all the stuff, took everything and put them over into Babylon. So basically, Jerusalem was an absolute wasteland. The temple had been destroyed. The walls had been torn down. Everything was a wasteland. They're over there in Babylon. There were some false prophets and priests that were coming along. Did not like Jeremiah. Because Jeremiah kept telling them bad news. And these uh, the prophets and the priests were coming along and trying to say, no, no, it's not going to be that bad. See, I'm not a math major, but I do know that before Jeremiah 29 is Jeremiah 28. And Jeremiah 28 is talking about this false prophet named Hananiah. And Hananiah was coming along, and he was this prophet that everybody liked because he's always preaching good news. He was always lifting people up. And what he was saying is he went into the temple, and he was standing right in front of Jeremiah, who was in the stocks because they couldn't stand what he was talking about. And they were, he was saying basically this. We're not going to be here very long. In, in two more years, we're going to be back. Well, that's not what Jeremiah was telling them. Jeremiah was telling them they were going to be there for a whole generation, 70 years. Well, which message would you have liked better? Two years in a foreign land? 70 years in a foreign land. Well, it's not based upon, we don't listen to God's word based upon what we like. We listen to what, God's word based upon what God has said, and we know it's truth, and we adjust. You see? So... That's what was happening here. And so when Jeremiah comes along, he's writing a letter from afar and he's letting them know, okay, this is what God is saying. You go to verse four in Jeremiah 29. 
Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Remember, God sent them there. Babylon didn't send them there. God sent them there because of their disobedience. He'd given them a warning in the northern kingdom, Assyria, 722 B.C. They didn't heed it. Okay, God's like, okay, this is what I've said. I'm going to follow through on what I've said, like any good parent would. Parents don't threaten discipline and then not do it. You follow through. So what is, what is he saying? How are we supposed to live in the meantime as we're traversing onto a better country, living in a country that we're living in now regardless? This is a sermon that I could preach in Trinidad or India, wherever. That's what I want to make sure that we see this. What do we do? Well, the first thing you do is, number one, you take care of your home. Look at what he says in verses 5 and 6. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. Now, that doesn't seem like that that is a really insightful comment to say. But when you think about the fact that they were outside of the promised land, and there was something inside them more than ever. They wanted to go back to the promised land. And false prophets were coming along and saying, you're going to get to go back. And God's saying, no, that's not. And in fact, Hananiah ended up dying just a few months later. Right? That's what happens to false prophets. They don't end well. We have to stick with his truth. So he's saying, home, you build homes. Now, if I were to ask some of you, where's home? You might say, um, there's probably a pretty good chance you would say Texas, Oklahoma, um, you know, so, somewhere California. Some of you may be from California, but some of you, I see the shirts. I see the, you know, Alabama, Crimson Tide, you know, I, I, I see those shirts, Tennessee. You know, so when we talk about home, like if I were to talk about home, I would have a hard time with that. I spent the first 10 years of my life in Virginia. Dad's job took us for about 14 months to Michigan. And so I go from a kind of like a hayseed on the farm with the accent. And when I get mission trip tired, the accent comes out. And then I go to Michigan and they're making fun of me, teachers and all about that. The only thing I wanted to do was go back home. Where was home? Home wasn't Concord Road where I lived in Michigan. Home was Virginia. Well, I got to go back to Virginia. And they asked me, well, where did you come from? Well, my last stop was Michigan, but I, I didn't even get to the first part. Oh, you a Yankee. And so I was an outcast there. And so I was there for about five months. It was five months. You talk, Not only were the days long, the months were long. It wasn't like days long, years short. Days were long, months were long. Ended up going to Florida. Reminds me of Colorado because everybody's from somewhere else. Most everybody is from somewhere else. So you can kind of find your own little niche and, and, and put yourself in there. But I'll tell you where home was. Home was where my parents were. And especially my mom. Because my mom would be one. Dad would be working and traveling. Mom would be there. If something was going on at school, she'd go and, and be there. Um, she knew I was having a hard time at lunch, and so she'd bring me home, and I'd have my Chef Boyardee whatever out of the can, and I'd go play ping pong downstairs, and it would just kind of take my mind off of stuff. And so when we moved to Virginia, it was the same thing. When we moved to Florida, it was the same thing. So home was wherever my mom was or wherever my parents were. And now that um, we we've moved around a little bit, especially when Cindy and I first got married, home is now wherever Cindy and the kids are, where, wherever it may be. God could plant us wherever else, and that would be where home is. 
And I think that's one of the advantages, but that's kind of where it is. They said home was Jerusalem. Jeremiah is saying home is build it where you are for your family, for your kids. And I believe there's an aspect of being a good citizen of this country is that when the home life ends up deteriorating, you see the society deteriorating. In fact, a lot of these groups now that are coming out that are wanting to undermine the nuclear family, um, they're trying to undermine the society in order to build it up into some utopian or dystopian thing that may be wanting to happen. They may be wanting to have happen. We... He's like, if you take care of the homes, don't just sit there and wait around. The Thessalonians were doing the same thing where they were thinking Christ was going to come back at any time, so they end up doing nothing. He's like, no, you take care of your homes, you plant gardens, you, you do what you have to do, you keep, because if you quit, you quit making a family, then the people die. And in that generation, that generation would have been gone. He's like, no, 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 that's not what you've been called to do. In Genesis 12, 1 to 3, Abraham was told this, Go from your country and from your kindred and from your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And then this last part, In you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So the idea was is that wherever they went, they were going to be scattered all over the earth wherever they went. You, you, you follow me, you build a, a, a godly home, and you, raise, you, you do your best to raise godly children. Children are going to do what they want after a while. But you do your part. And that's, how, and that's one of the ways where when you get into verse 7, this passage, this, this sentence for me, verses 7 to 9, but especially verse 7, is really what we are working out here, and that's this. Seek the welfare of your community, number two. Seek the welfare of your community. Verse 7, seek the welfare of the city which I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for its welfare. In its welfare, you will find your welfare. We as Christians, I think, have, have missed a piece of this. Because I think as we're prone to do, we tend to take the pendulum and swing it either not you know, one way or the other way. And this is what has happened is that we now have Christian everything environments we have christian schools we have christian um places to work we have, obviously we have christian churches hello here we are we have christian churches we have christian this christian that christian that and what has happened is the idea behind those things was to train you not to escape from the world but to be an influence in the world. But what has happened is, is that because of all the things that have happened, we have so huddled ourselves together in our little holy huddle that we don't want to mess with the big bad world out there. And so even our neighbors we don't engage with because they're involved with activities. Guess what? We're in a broken world and we're going to be surrounded by a lot of broken people. Welcome not only to America, welcome to the world. That's, that's where we are. But God has placed us here to seek the welfare of the city that we are in. There's a lot of people because of the political aspects of things. And yes, the market and so many other things that they're, they're opting to move out of Denver. And I get that. But I want you to really pray before you start making that move. Does Denver need less Christians? I'll wait. Denver doesn't need less Christians. Denver needs Christians that love their city, not 
dread the city, put up with the city. Yeah, I mean, for, maybe for some of us, the, the political leanings may be just exactly what we want. But I, I hear the conversations, and there's some frustration. In fact, there's some frustration on a lot of different areas. So is, is, the, is the answer for us to get away from that? Or is the answer to be to seek the welfare of the city as best we possibly can? And that's where we have to realize that there, there, there's a... There's a there's a balance that has to be found. So in, in Psalm 137, Psalm 137, yeah, that, that's a psalm we'll be getting to in about 2029, but uh, Psalm 137, but we're going to jump ahead, right? So when we get to 2028, 2029, I expect you to remember everything I just said, right? Because you're going you're gonna to need to remember that. Okay, Psalm 137. So this is what they were singing while they were in exile. Can you hear the pain? Can you feel the pain? By the waters of Babylon, we sat down and wept. When we remembered Zion, on the willows there, we hung up our lyres. For there our captives required, us, required of us songs and our tormentors mirth, saying, sing us one of the songs of Zion. By the way, if any of you are Lord of the Rings people, you may remember that scene where Pippin goes, you're, if you don't know Lord of the Rings, I'm sorry, 15 seconds, give it to me. But where Pippin is, is, is going in and this evil leader is asking him, sing one of the songs of the Shire. And he's singing it, but what's going on? Weeping. Because those songs did not belong in king's palaces. Those songs belonged in another place. Okay, Psalm 137, Lord of the Rings, J.R.R. Tolkien, amen. And we're back. Verse 4, how shall we sing the Lord's songs in a foreign land if if I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget its skill. Let my tongue stick to the roof of my mouth. If I do not remember you, if I do not set Jerusalem above my highest joy, remember, O Lord, against the Edomites, the day of Jerusalem, how they said, lay it bare, lay it bare, down to the foundations, O daughter of Babylon, doomed to be destroyed. Blessed shall be he who repays you with what you have done to us. Blessed shall, your, shall he be who takes your little ones and dashes them against the rock. I can't read that in a normal voice. So we see the dichotomy there. We see on the one hand is they know that Babylon is... Is not going to last forever because they have been so evil against the Lord. And they are wanting to see justice to a place. It's called an imprecatory psalm. They're wanting to see justice happen immediately, which I think there's an aspect of that where if we're honest with ourselves, and that's just a flat, honest, descriptive psalm. Maybe not prescriptive, but it's descriptive about how we feel about the enemies and those who are raising themselves up against the things of God. But Jeremiah is coming along and saying, look, I get that you feel that way. I understand that you feel that way. And there may be at some point a place for that. But right now, that's not your game. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. But they're they're, they're of spiritual understanding. You seek the welfare of the city because when you seek the welfare of the city, it'll be better for you. And verses 8 and 9, for thus says the Lord of hosts, we're back in Jeremiah, by the way, 
For those of the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you, and do not listen to the dreams that they dream, for it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. So Jeremiah is the only one that's faithful, surrounded by a bunch of people who pretended to be faithful, said they were prophets, said they were priests, but they were saying something else because they wanted to make the people feel better. I have that temptation every so often. So Every so often, I just want to preach a sermon that's just going to make you feel better. But I want to make sure that I'm preaching a sermon that's going to make you feel better grounded in truth, not just grounded in what your itching ears are wanting to hear. That's not, that's not good for you. That's not fair to you. You need to hear the truth of the living God. So we seek the welfare of the community that's around us. It's amazing because we are sojourners and exiles in this world right now. You're saying, what hath Jeremiah 29 to do with Littleton and Centennial, Colorado? This. We are exiles and sojourners in this land. This is not our home. If you're trying to make this your home and you're dreading the coming of Christ, repent. Because this is not our home. This is a temporary land with a temporary citizenship that we have. We give it all we have. But we have to remember there is a temporary aspect about it. First Peter 2, 11 and 12. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. So do you see the parallel? We live in a country that we love and live in and pray for and vote. We write our congressmen, we share our faith with our fellow citizens, but this is not our home, Christian. This is not our home. This is where we are pitching our tent for a while on the way home. But this is not our home. We wage war, yes, against the ideas. I wouldn't say the people, but the ideas that the people are coming after us with. But we also have a greater war. Who do you struggle with more? The people that are out there with their ideas or the one looking back at you in the mirror with your passions of the flesh? I'll give you about five seconds to come up with an answer on that one. We're our own worst enemy. And when everybody's doing that, then that's, that's affecting how everybody else is operating. So we need to make sure that we're going after not just policies and procedures and, and laws, but we're helping people with their hearts. It's a heart issue that is plaguing our country and our churches and our world. It's it's hearts. And so what do we do? Number three, we trust in the plans that God has for his people. Verse 10, for thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, there it is, 70 years, not two, 70. I don't like that, Jeremiah. I'm just delivering the mail. 70. 70. Years are completed in Babylon. Look at what God's going to do. I will visit you. God isn't just strung and tethered to the Holy Land. He's everywhere. He's everywhere. You remember that? He's everywhere. And And I will visit you and I will fulfill my promise to you. And I will bring you back to this place. It is your promised land. And as you are repenting and seeking me, I will bring you back. 
For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I have sent you into exile. A future and a hope. A future and a hope. I think a lot of reason why people are struggling with anxiety and depression and suicidal thoughts and this and that and thou and thus. I think one of the reasons is because they don't see the future and they don't have hope. And I'm not sure where you are. I know that every time I come up to preach that there may be law of averages one of you that may be hanging on by a thread. You're hanging on. And, I, and that's why I'm not going to give you Matt Perry. I want to give you Jesus Christ. Because that's where the hope is. That's where our future is. Jesus Christ. And when we're talking about for us, we know that there is a future and a hope for us. No, we, in this broken world, we may not see it fully. We see it in part in his word and among his people. But one day we're going to be going to a better country. And, and in the meantime, we hold on. We hold on because what he's, he's saying here, you, I have plans for welfare for you. You seek the welfare of the city because I am operating for the plans of welfare I have for you. Therefore, you, as you not only receive that welfare, be a conduit of that welfare that other people can understand and ask for. When you see what God has for you, that fuels, verse 12, the calling and the coming. And the praying. Notice it doesn't say, if you come, if you pray, if you do this, if you do that, then I will give you a future and a hope. That's not how God operates. When Christ died upon the cross, he took it all. Tetelestai. It is finished. Then he tells us about the future and hope we have. It's not like, if you behave yourself, then I'm going to do this for you. He did it. While we were yet sinners, Romans 5, 8, Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. He didn't wait for us to fix ourselves up. You can't fix yourself up. That will be a frustration that will, that will lead to a humiliation. Trust the plans. We have to be careful about some of the plans that we have. We, we sang this wonderful song, uh, the, the Battle Hymn of the Republic, which it was the unofficial it was the unofficial uh, national anthem of our country up until 1931. How many of you would prefer the Battle Hymn of the Republic to that song we have now? Okay, I don't know. Some of you raised your hands. Okay, but that's the idea. I, I love the Battle Hymn of the Republic, but did you know that the hymnals did not include one particular passage, one particular verse? Can I read it to you? I think I will. It says this. I have read, a, now keep in mind, when was this written? It was written de, during the Civil War, for those of you that are in the South, the War of Northern Aggression, right? So however you want to call it, it says, here, this is one of the verses, I have read a fiery gospel written, burnished rows of steel. As ye deal with my condemners, so with you my grace shall deal. Let the hero born of woman crush the serpent with his heel. Our God is marching on. The reason that's not in our hymnals, our gospel is, does not go forth through cannon fire and gunshot. That's what that was saying. Because there was a belief that the Civil War was a holy war on, for, by, by some. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. 
the weapons of our warfare are not. We trust in the plans of God to move and work through his word and through our witness and seeking the welfare of the city where even if they don't agree with us, they'll look at us and say, now who are those people? I don't agree with them, but there's something about them. There has to be something compelling about us as followers of Jesus. Because if you notice what's being said here, when we talk about this last one, we're traveling to a better, a better country. I want to just reinforce, we are strangers and exiles on this earth. This is not our home. You will be shocked, teenagers, at how fast between your age and my age, 50, how fast that goes. And I will probably be shocked for some of you who are in your 80s how fast that will go. In fact, some of you are warning me, you think 20 to 50 was fast. Well, you just buckle up, buttercup, and just see how far it's going to be like that. That's a quote, by the way. Somebody called me buttercup. You know who you are. But, <laughs> but, that, but that's the idea. Buckle up because it's going to go really, really quickly. And some of you are really, really glad for that. But some of you, we have, we, you've, you may have staked so much of your identity to here. You're like, you want this to go on forever. Why? When there's a better country that awaits. I want to remind you of, 11 to, of Hebrews. Again, 11, 13 to 16, it says... For these all died in faith. Who? The ones who are in this hall of fame of faith. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, having acknowledged that they were strangers in exile, not just in in Babylon or Persia, but on the earth. It's a temporary home we have. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had an opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country. This is a good country. This is a great country. It's not the best. There's a better country awaiting. Isn't that a, isn't that a joy? It's something better is waiting for us as followers of Jesus. There's a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. In my father's, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And I don't think Jesus was saying it like a lot of preachers do. I go to prepare a place for you, and I will come again. I'm like, I think he's, I think he's leaning in. Look, in my father's house are many mansions. If it weren't so, I would have told you. I'm going to prepare a place for you. You And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto myself. And that where I am, there you may be also. You know the way to where I'm going. Everybody stops. Thomas. Love Thomas. He didn't get enough credit. Lord, we don't know where you're you're going. We don't know the way. We don't know where you're going. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. Jesus is that better country. Heaven's not heaven without Jesus. If you're going to heaven thinking, I get to do everything that I wanted to do on earth without having to work. You know, I can just do whatever I want. So basically what you're wanting, you're not wanting um, heaven, you're wanting earth 2.0. The earth will pass away. Revelation 21. What's the, somebody's like, I'm worried about the future of our country. 
You know what the future of our country is? Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and first earth had passed away. And the sea is no more. One day, the United States and every other country in the world, gone. I hope you're okay with that. Because that's what's going to happen. And if you're not okay with that, then we need to adjust. But look at what's being said. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. You know why the first earth is passing away? Because what's happening in the second earth and the second heaven doesn't belong. Look what happens with the first earth. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. How many of you cried this morning over something or this week or this month or this year of course you have how can you live in this world without doing that you may have a stray child you may have a stray community you may have uh, something that's happening with you physically Your, your marriage may be not what you would want it to be and there's so many things that can bring the tears and how many of you have had to experience a death over this past year I'm sick of funerals I'm glad to be there to be helping, but I know why, one thing I'm looking forward to, it, uh, that homeland to come, I'm not going to ever have to do another funeral for the rest of eternity. And you're never going to have to go to one either. In the meantime, we give them the hope. Okay, settle down, Perry. He will wipe away every, every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. And there's not even going to be mourning or grief anymore. No crying, no pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Why would you want to hold on to this when something so much better is coming? What is here that you, could, that, that you would say, I'm going to exchange the glory of the, of the creator for the glory of this? This is no glory. So the patriotic holidays, everybody, reminds us that loving our country means seeking its welfare to the glory of God and to the good of our neighbors. And doing that means that we are sharing our lives and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ and readying ourselves for the responsibility and taking ownership of what all that means. And, and loving your neighbor may, it means also loving your neighbor that is sitting across from you at the table, loving your wife, loving your husband, extending grace, loving, loving your children, loving those that are around you that agree with you and disagree with you. You love them. You seek the welfare of the country, but we're all on a journey. And we haven't arrived at, but we know what the destination is. There's a better country ahead. But as we are going, we're either walking toward him, toward that better country, or we're walking away from him in this life, setting a trajectory for all of eternity to where we will be away from him with no hope of repentance, no hope of restoration. And you hold on to this life, that's exactly what you're going to get, what I just said. Hold on to Christ. With a white knuckle intensity. And you hold on to this thing right here. Yes, it's in your hand. But loosely. Hold on to Christ. Tightly. We are sojourners. He's with us. We're with him. But one day we will be with him. Literally for all of eternity. Praise God.
for the cross and for the empty tomb that made all that happen. Heavenly Father, guide us in all that we do and say. Lord, I just, as I preach your word, I, I just, and, and read your word, I am just stunned at what you have done for us as, as sinners. There is a better country that is ahead of us. And we are, we are, we are sojourners. But Lord, our liberty is not found in anything that Washington or Denver or any other man-made institution or dignitaries can say to us. That's not where our freedom is found. The Son has set us free. Lord, your, your word has said we are free indeed. We are free for all of eternity. We're free from the brokenness. We're free from the bondage. We're free from ourselves and our sin. And we have been set free by Christ. If we would, return, if we would turn and repent, you have already accomplished it all. May we turn to that which has been accomplished rather than try to accomplish it on our own. We can't. But thank you, Lord, for the better country, that Jesus is that better country. And help us, Lord, in the meantime, to love the neighbors that Jesus has put around us, to be good kingdom citizens as we are citizens of this country, and help us, Lord, move forward, to see the responsibility and to take ownership of what you've called us to do. Seek the welfare of the city that we live in. We pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.